Good afternoon and welcome to the panel. Uh, RNZ National, Nikki Bazant, Liam here with me. And goodness gracious, football versus soccer has really caused a stir. We might go back with it on Monday with a linguist from Oxford University. But to this, this has also caused a stir. Labour has blocked a bill seeking to amend how paid parental leave entitlements can be used. Nationals Nicola Willis was unimpressed. What a shameful day. Members opposite should hang their heads in shame. They have, in deciding to vote down this bill, insulted every parent in New Zealand who they believe they are better placed to tell what to do with their parenting and caregiving arrangements than they are. Well, the bill aimed to make parental leave more flexible, allowing parents to share leave between them, take leave in overlapping instalments. It would come at no extra cost to the taxpayer. All other parties supported the bill. Labour MPs called the bill half-baked. And fewer than 1% of New Zealand men take paid parental leave. 4% of partners take unpaid leave. With us is Sue Maroney, former Labour MP, now CEO of Community Law Centres or Aotearoa. Sue, kia ora, good to have you here. Kia ora, Wallace. Yeah, here we are talking paid parental leave. <laughs> yes, indeed. And let me ask you, Sue, if you were um, back in Labour, um, would you have voted for this bill? Yeah, I would have actually, because I think that at first reading I would have voted for it because I think the idea has merit. I don't agree with the solution that has been proposed, but I think it's worthwhile having a discussion about it. I, um, just prior to my departure from Parliament, had actually already drafted a bill um, to bring in four weeks paid partner leave on top of the 26 weeks paid parental leave because it was my view and backed up by the research and evidence available that, you know, having got to the point of securing and ensuring that um, parents, uh, the primary parent could be available uh, for 26 weeks and not be forced back into the workplace um, over that period, that we then needed to move and secure uh, a way in which the other parent could equally be involved in um, the raising of their child at an early age because all the evidence and research says that, that that's great for the child, but it also means that that whole family has more flexibility going forward in, in, um, in parent responsibilities. I actually saw that as the bigger issue. The more I read into it, the more I was... I was actually quite stunned, reminding myself of the actual stats, um, how shockingly few uh, New Zealand men take paid parental leave or indeed unpaid leave. Yeah, absolutely. And and so that is an area that obviously there are too many barriers in the way of. I think it's really important that people understand that already parents can share their leave. So this wasn't a proposal to bring that about. That's already the case. Um, This bill um, made it possible for parents to share the paid parental leave at the same time. At the same time. Um, At the moment, that has to be done um, consecutively. So, you know, and there there are... important policy drivers for the reason why it was done that way. I might add, under a national government, it was national that was in power when the decision was made to do it in that way. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really worthwhile debate, and that's why I would have voted for it at first reading. Nikki. Kia ora, Sue. It seems like there's a a bigger issue here, which is women's, um, the, the gender retirement savings gap. 
and the gender pay gap in general, and that we can trace some of that back to women being the primary caregivers. It seems like there might be a link here between between that and um, men not taking paid parental leave. Is there, what are the things that we can do or that we could do to encourage more men to take on more of that responsibility? Yeah, so this is in fact one thing we can do is make sure they've got access to paid leave so that they can have that early involvement as a, as a primary care for their child. Um, you know, I, I look at my own experience and I know that um, the fact that my husband was um, left in charge with um, with our babies from an early age by himself while I was working um, was actually one of the things that meant that we had great flexibility as a family going forward for me to develop my career because, you know, when it came to the issue of if mum's going to be down in Parliament a lot and not around so much, who's going to be looking after us? And the answer was dad. Um, that wasn't yeah. a major drama for my children and it allowed us that sort of flexibility. And, you know, overseas we can see that, uh, that all the research and evidence underpins this, that where there are countries that have exclusive uh, partner leave, paid partner leave that is exclusively for the use of primarily fathers, that that makes a big difference to uh, the involvement of women and participation in the workforce and you see the pay equity gap close as a result. Uh, Liam. Yeah, hey, so good to talk to you again. Um, I just, I'm interested in the politics of it a little bit because um, if memory serves, I, this is actually, I think, the second time that Labour has voted down um, a law like this. I, I think that in 2017, the very similar proposal put forward that was voted down right, right back at the start of the, of the new Labour government. Um, what, what exactly, in terms of the, you know, the um, the deputy prime minister was talking about how it's, you know, it's 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 te- it's, it's half baked, how it doesn't quite work in practice as as proposed. What 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 are the barriers to getting Labour on board with the rest of the New Zealand Parliament and and the population on this? Well, I'm hopeful um, that what it means is that they've got a, a great proposal that they're about to roll out for the election for, for us all to consider that, that is superior. Um, that's what I'm hoping is the case. I know that um, what they'll be thinking about is that, look, if, if you have parents um, at the same time sharing the paid parental leave, what that could mean is that you have maybe, it comes down to being 13 week, weeks worth of parental involvement with that baby at that really important stage of their brain development and um, and you know likely their access to breastfeeding as well. And so if then that child is going into another care arrangement because the parents both have to get, get back to work after 13 weeks, then it does actually impact on um, what the research and evidence tells us is really important for those first six months of a, of a baby's life in terms of attachment um, to their primary carer, continuing um, access to um, the ability for breastfeeding to take place if that's still possible. Um, I'm sure that those are the, some of the things that they are thinking yeah. about uh, and, and I'm hoping that they've got a really good solution for that coming yeah. forward. Um, but look, you know, um, this this does, uh, it's almost triggering for me to talk about this issue because <laughs> don't let's not forget that um, the number of times that the national government um, vetoed the bill that I had to get to 26 weeks paid parental leave and the amazing political manifestations that took place to ensure that none of those amendments could ever have been achieved by a Labour MP. Um, so, you know, that's still fresh in my mind as well. It's not that long ago. 
Um, so moving on, it was interesting. Hey, um, the uh, uh, what, that's what I first thought when I the, the bit of coyness around us. I was thinking, well, what's up, Labour's sleeve? What's going to be the announcement pre-election? That's the first thing I uh, thought about this. But actually, uh, just talking around the office around this, and you know, fathers and partners are entitled to one week of unpaid leave, or if you've worked for your employer for at least an average of ten hours a week or six months, or two weeks if you work for your employer. Uh, you know, for at least an average of 10 hours a week for a, a year, um, there is that discrepancy, isn't there, about the role of dads um, and the role of you know, the babies? Because I understand there are some countries uh, overseas that actually have really stepped up regarding to dads being able to uh, stay at home as well. Yeah, it really makes you feel like um, the role of the other partner, um, and let's remember it might not be a dad, but it most often is a dad, um, you know, it really does undervalue that when you hear that spoken out loud, that really all their entitlement is, is to take um, one or two weeks unpaid leave, and that, that's, the, that's the value of their contribution. So, you know, I do think we have to get real about making that um, more equitable, making it um, more obvious that in society today we do want um, the other partners and fathers equally involved in raising their children. They, they are their children after all. Good to have you here, Sue Kiora. Thanks for that. Sue Moroni, their former Labour MP there, uh, who is, uh, as you just heard, they're pretty closely involved with this particular issue. Uh, she's now the CEO of Community Law Centres, or Aotearoa. Uh, and uh, as you're very excited about talking about fitted sheets at 25 past four, can you actually fold them? I want to know that this Friday afternoon. And gosh, what a huge response to Liam's. I've been thinking, uh, is there a soccer or football. There seems to be a national conversation <laughs> right now. Judging by the responses here, more on that later. But to this, it is winter, and it would be fair to say every month you dread one bill coming through the letterbox or in the inbox. And what's that bill? Well, it's the power bill, of course. Power prices were 35% higher in real terms than they were 20 years ago. In the last 10 years, the four largest power companies increased their profits by over 150%. Now, a couple of years ago, the government announced the phase-out of low fixed-charge tariff options. That allowed people to pay a lower daily fixed-charge, but a higher rate of kilowatts per hour used, saying it was poorly targeted as some low-income households who were high-power users were left subsidising the power grid. So uh, to explain it for us is Paul Fuge, the power switch comparison site manager. Kia ora, Paul. Kia ora. What do you make of this phase-out? You know, some say they are feeling the impact, one site at up to $40 more per month. Well, it affects different households in different ways. So if you're a very low user, um, it affects you disproportionately more than than uh, someone who's on the cusp, who's on the cusp of being between a low and a, what you call a standard user. So those are the worst affected uh, people. So those tend to be people like, uh, you can imagine a scenario if you're a gas user uh, and you're sort of a perhaps an elderly person living by yourself. Yeah. They're typically the worst off through this change. Needless to say, actually, I bought my power bill to work to remind myself of how jolly expensive it was, uh, you know, just hundreds a month. Uh, needless to say, it is really crunch time, isn't it? I mean, you just cannot be without power, can you? 
Well, that's right. It's an essential service, um, and you can't do without it. You just can't function in society these days without access to electricity. Uh, it isn't just elderly people who live alone. I, I'm a single-person household, uh, and I would say that I'm definitely a low user. It's quite interesting, actually, because I had a look at my power bill on the basis of this conversation. Yeah, uh, I'm still paying a low daily fixed rate, actually, at the moment, 34 and a half cents. But my actual rate per whatever it is, kilowatt or whatever, has, has gone up. And I, when I look at my December bill, oh. yeah, my December bill was $69. And my most recent bill, which was for, which is, I suppose, for June, July bill was $123. But then, of course, it's, it's, it's winter versus summer. So I do feel like probably the impact of this, whatever this change is, might not be felt really for another until the, the next season rolls around, you know what I mean, when we can actually do proper comparison? Because the power bill always shoots up in winter. Yeah, Paul? That's correct. So the power bills do do rise in winter. Um, but this is a change that's being rolled out over five years. So each year, you're, um, if you're on a low user uh, option, your um, fixed charge will rise by 30 cents each year. So you know it was 30 cents in 2021. It's risen to 60 cents, and now it's at 90 cents. And that'll keep going until 2026, at which point it'll be a dollar eighty a day, which is quite a big change, isn't it? That's significant. Well, that's, right. So going, that's right. You're going from one hundred and ten dollars, you know, in 2021 to, you know, six hundred and fifty dollars in 2026. So that's a massive jump for those uh, that you know that category of uh, power user. Liam. Yeah. Well, like you know, there's six in our household, and um, you know, some of us are pretty wasteful with electricity, so we're very glad that. Um, <laughs> you know, to, to now have the support of, of people like my co-panelist and, and paying the bill. Um, but uh, <laughs> what, I was really interest, what I was really interested in was, like, when I remember when this was announced, there was a $5 million sort of um, sort of grant that was set up. And so people who were going to struggle with the change could call on it and there'd be some support for their power bills. But in the article today, it said that uh, only only $1 million had been called upon. And so, like, you know, you read about so much uh, difficulty that people have um, with their power bills going up so much and uh, increasing so much in winter. How come the, the call on that fund has been so low? Does anyone know anything about that? Do you know anything about it, Paul? Is it just really hard to access or is it hidden away? Why why has only a million dollars of credits been issued out? Yeah, I can't really answer that. That was a fund put together by the retailers to, to sort of help it. I'm not, I'm not really sure how that is being, being allocated. I don't but, think they publicised um, you know, that you, very well. I never heard about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I can't really speak to that. But but like what I can say is that, you know, it, some users are better off and some are worse off. Um, you know, and it depends on which, which category you fit in. Overall, um, the, the change is not supposed to advantage retailers. Right. Uh, as you said before, the, the fixed charge may go up, but then the variable charge is supposed to come down. But it can be quite hard to tell if that's actually happening. Just on a more philosophical level, I guess, Paul, um, this is what uh, Dr. Kim, Kim O'Sullivan said, the energy poverty expert, said, quoting, I think we need to start treating electricity in a different way and to provide a basic minimum service to those who you know, can't afford to pay. Because even if you're going to talk to a budgeting service, there's just not enough in the piggy bank to be making the budget stretch to across everything you need. You know, it comes back to that a central service model, I guess, idea. I mean, what do you make of what Kim uh, said there? Well, we would agree agree with that. Um, you know, electricity is an essential service, and it's just 
you know, it's it's just unsafe if houses households are going without it, particularly if there's vulnerable people in that house, like elderly and children. And what we've seen over the last sort of um, 25 years is really a perfect storm of things. You know, the the electricity price has increased uh, at a high rate than inflation. It's 35% higher in real terms than it was 25 years ago. You've also seen an increase in inequity. So, you know, the people just are struggling to pay those power bills. Um, in our latest survey, um, 62% of people said they were really concerned about their power costs, and 19% said they were having difficulty paying their power oh. bill. And the other, the other fact that we've got in this country is really poor housing. So it takes yeah. a lot of energy to heat our housing. So particularly vulnerable, uh, you know, less well-off people are in the, that poor housing. So they've got that perfect storm of high power costs. It takes a lot of energy to heat their house, you know, and then, so they're really struggling to pay the, the, you know, for what is an essential service. All right, Paul, thanks for that. Nice to have you here. Uh, that's Paul Fuge, uh, Power Switch Comparison Site Manager. Um, here is, oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, there's a major traffic holdup, as someone says, Richard says, on State Highway 2, just north of Woodville. Uh, can't see the cause, but there's lots of flashing blue and red right, lights about a kilometre ahead of me. It is 25 past four. The panel RNZ National. Nice to have your company. By the way, if you aren't able to catch it live, the panel is always on iHeart, on Apple, on Spotify. Go there if you're not able to uh, catch the show live. But to this, can you fold a fitted sheet? I'm of the firm opinion that you cannot. My wonderful wife, Tabitha, says you can Try harder. So how do you fold one? What is the secret? And what's the point of a fitted sheet if not to make modern life just a little bit more annoying? With us is Ben in Karori, Wellington. He's going to try and put this into words for us. Kia ora, Ben. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you? I'm very, very well. So you can categorically say on uh, nationwide radio that you can indeed fold a fitted sheet. Yes, of course you can. Uh, just yeah, I've just spent five minutes on a YouTube video, and it's very easy. Okay. Uh, you, How can you can you do your best to try and explain it to us? I'll, I'm going to close. I'm closing my eyes. T- go for it. Uh, it's a bit hard to, to describe uh, over words, but uh, you put both of your hands into the corners of the fitted sheet. Understood. And then you bring those corners together and pinch those two corners with one hand. You sort of flop the fabric over that arm and then arrange the other two corners in your other hand, pinch those two corners, and then you bring all four corners together and then you again flop the fabric over your arm and then you've got a rectangle about the size of a pillowcase and you can fold that really easily. I fold it to a uh, to a fault, and then I can't figure out which sheet is a fitted sheet or which is not a fitted sheet. Amazing! Well, Nikki, you've done the actions there. <laughs> I've been miming that. Do as you you've believe been this? Do you believe it? this? Oh, beautiful. Well, I I mean, I have watched these videos before. It comes up. It comes up regularly, doesn't it? This whole thing about fitted sheets. I have tried. I've tried to care about it. <laughs> it's just not. It's just well, not that important well, to me. Uh, and I've tried to do it, and I couldn't do yes, it. Yes, so, I yeah. can't do it. Someone's been following Ben and says I got a Pentagon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> someone else says cut the friggin' elastic. Exactly, that's what I thought. But uh, needless to say, Ben, you can do it. Liam, are you listening yeah. to this? 
yeah, yeah. look, I'm fully, I agree. Like, there's, and there's more than one way to skin a cat on this too, you know? Like, like I, I personally subscribe, I think the most correct way to do it is the Mari Kondo way, where you sort of, you have the, you, you arrange it so that the um, elastic circle or the elastic sort of ex, um, lot, uh, goes on the inside, right? So it's, you have that sort of facing up. And then you just fold it over in thirds. It's not that like it's, that's even easier, you know. Yeah, you get I think a nice that's square. That's kind of roughly what I would do too. Ben, and then just shove yeah. it in the cupboard, and you don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> that does sound a lot easier. Uh, but I enjoy this way. It's a bit of finesse, but yeah. Nice, just those simple tricks. Eh? that's all you need. Okay, you've you've got me thinking about this issue. And on the bus home, I'm going to watch a YouTube video. And this weekend, I'm going to try and practice my first fitted sheet, Ben, and I'll let you know how I go on Monday. <laughs> Good on you, Wallace. <laughs> um, and someone else says, I learned how to fold a fitted sheet by watching Sarah Richardson, a Canadian interior designer, demonstrate one of her shows. Uh, by the way, there is a um, crash uh, on State Highway 2 just north of Silverstream. Turn off. Traffic is at a crawl. We will keep you in touch with that. And just have to acknowledge the huge response regarding uh, soccer or football. Uh, Liam says it is definitely soccer. Uh, Football, coming from a Frenchman, says one. Wallace, it's not the Liverpool Soccer Club. Is it the Arsenal SC? (laughs) No, no, it's FC because it's football. Yeah, so is there any response from people who, that are non-Euro trash kind of responses? Oh, like, you know, like for again, God's We keep sake. having these Europeans coming on and enforcing their terms on us. So, you know, I, only want, I want to hear from some, um, from some people who aren't from, how, uh, from, from the poor benighted continent of Europe. How shockingly rude are you this afternoon? Well, I'm, I'm in a foul mood, I guess, but that's um, because I've been corrected so much. Uh, <laughs> The panel, originated in the UK as soccer, then registered as football. In the meantime, in the US, registered as soccer to avoid confusion with gridiron football. Most Pacific Islands call it soccer, and as a, and as a Pacific nation, so should we. All power to you. Yeah, I reckon that's quite a good way to go. Yeah. You're on the panel on RNZ National. It is a power battle Friday that coming up very, very soon. We have Nikki Bazant and Liam Hare.